0: Baby Fajohier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swooley. Let's get to it. Baby Fajodier, I am here with brothers Amos and Makaroo. Russell A. Swilly, a.k.a. Gullah Jack. This is African Liberation Media on this day, March 8th, 6261 of 2021. This I have been told. So much to do, so little time. We will be dealing with, among other things, one of the greatest psychoanalytic theorists of our time. The Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. This is the African Liberation Media. I will be with you uh, just for a short time, but uh, I just want to add that uh, we can't be in collusion with the genocide elsewhere and its criminality of whatever insane face of neocolonialism occupies him or herself as a temporary occupant of the White House take it away gentlemen
1: Thank you for now African family appreciate having the opportunity once again to discuss some issues from the perspective of African liberation and empowerment uh, brother almost called to my attention, Earlier this week, that there's a movie being planned about the life of the Honorable uh, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, but I don't know if exactly if it's going to be about his life any more than than the, than the uh, Fred Hampton movie was totally about Fred Hampton. As a matter of fact, uh, based on a review I read, it's actually going to focus on one of the race traders. Who worked with Jed Gehoover to undermine the uh, efforts of the Honorable Marcus Garvey to liberate and empower African people? So, you know, brother, almost you posed the question: Why do you think, you know, these movies? Why are we getting this sudden uh, emphasis on on these movies? As, you know, what is Hollywood up to? And you know, that's something that 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 you and I discussed, But you know, since you called it to my attention, why don't you? just uh, tell us what you think about it.
2: Baby Fajotier. Yeah, what caught my attention is we've always had people who have tried to steer the movement of black people in a direction that would more than likely benefit them. And we've Mm -hmm. seen that throughout our history. And most recently now, we've seen it with Black Lives Matter. So... Recently, Judas and the Black Messiah was released, a movie written about William O'Neill, which also dove into the life of the Honorable Fred Hampton, who is now an ancestor now, uh, but primarily focusing on, as you mentioned, the race trader William O'Neill. And for a long time, a lot of people have wanted to produce movies focusing on uh, black heroes and sheroes that are often not talked about or taught about in any type of school system or education system. People tried to produce movies on the Haitian Revolution. People tried to produce movies on ancient African history. And in many cases, it's been rejected due to the fact that either the whites are afraid of that type of movie being produced for the fear of a rebellion or people learning about great leaders and repeating what those great leaders did or fear of the fact that they don't believe that those movies will financially make enough money for them to make a a, a money, make their money back off of investing in the film. And now we're seeing the production of more and more movies. You had the birth of a nation that focused on the life of the great ancestor, Nat Turner. You had Judas and the Black Messiah that focused on the life of William O'Neill and Fred Hampton. You had Harriet, uh, which was released to focus on the life of the great ancestor, Harriet Tubman. And now this movie, titled Mark Man is going to be released. Dealing with the life of Marcus Garvey, but as you stated, focusing primarily on the script is focusing on one of the traders. So it made me pose the question why is this being financed? Do they feel that focusing on race traders gives the movie a more of an entertainment um, appeal to the white masses and the black masses? Or is this just another way to desecrate the history of our ancestors or for them to create an image that they could control and then promote propaganda based off of a history that they will rewrite to make Garvey uh, look a certain way. Mm. Uh, that was really the reason why I posed the question. And in a lot of these movies, we have quote unquote black screenwriters, black directors, etc. But we also know that there's also oftentimes European influences that influence the movie as well, whether they take something out of the script that they don't agree with or whether they help with the writing of the script. Just like in the movie uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, there was actually a European, Jewish male who wrote part of the script dealing with the life of Fred Hampton and then the other part dealing with William O'Neill was actually written by a brother so um, we know that the imprint will more than likely be on the movie uh, but in dealing with such a giant, a race giant like Garvey um, it'll be interesting to see in what direction they take this. We know that it's being funded by Amazon Studios. So, it's primarily Europeans that are funding this work.
1: Right, and it is based on uh, the book, a Mock, uh, titled uh, A Mock Man. Uh, it says that the upcoming project, which is reportedly set in the 1920s, will focus on a young black man who joins the then J. Edgar Hoover-led FBI and then goes on to infiltrate Garvey's Universal Negro Improvement Association. The character's loyalty to his race and country is tested during his assignment as he grows weary of both men's actions, according to deadline. You know, th- that already sounds like a cop out because, you know, you, you know, nobody's forcing you to you to do this and you can stop doing it at, at, at any point. You know, if you are if you're a real man, if you know, if you're not a coward. But what I found interesting is that, uh, you know, the, the, it, it appears that the, this movie is going to follow the race trader theme uh, that has been developed in uh, the uh, movie Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which focused on the race trader William O'Neill's betrayal uh, that actually led to the assassination of Fred Hampton and brother Mark Clark, who often gets uh, forgotten during the, during the process. And of course, um, uh, Sister and Jerry, Fred Hampton's wife, pregnant with his uh, son, Fred Hampton Jr. was shot. I mean, this was a, could have been just a wholesale massacre of, of African people, uh, you know, that was assisted by a race traitor I also watched the uh, Billie Holiday movie and it, it focused on a race trader, uh, who was shown as one of, uh, sister holidays, uh, lovers. Uh, they showed her with several lovers. I mean, it was a Lee Daniels movie to me. Uh There was an overemphasis on sex, uh, sex scenes and all of this kind of stuff. But, um, Uh, this guy, Jimmy Fletcher, went to work for a guy that was in charge of the uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Uh, The U.S. government failed with alcohol prohibition, and one of the things that led them to end prohibition was the extraordinary amount of white-on-white violence uh, that was taking place. Uh, Chicago in 1928 had 500 homicides, an incredible amount of homicides, and largely it was white-on-white violence. The gangs led by Alphonse Capone, Bugs Moran, Dion O'Banion and others were fighting one another and killing uh, one another in the streets. And so that and the amount of revenue they were losing uh, to taxes, but I think it was primarily the amount of white-on-white violence, the destruction of white people that led to the repeal of Prohibition. When Prohibition was repealed, this, this guy that was uh, in charge of it from uh, uh, the perspective of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, Harry Anslinger, another institutionalized white supremacist, uh, whose destructiveness was, uh, you know, just below that of Diego, who I consider to be the, the uh, preeminent uh, institutionalized white supremacists and certainly the most destructive institutionalized white supremacists of the 20th century more destructive than all of the presidents uh, in, my, in my in my opinion who of course the presidents uh, facilitated you know his onslaught of uh, you know black liberation but Harry Anslinger became the father of the drug war on black America and he initially targeted, Uh, A lot of the jazz musicians, Louis Armstrong and and uh, Dizzy Gillespie and a lot of others, because he said that they were all smoking weed. And that uh, that gave them extraordinary uh, uh, an extraordinary capacity to promote something that he considered to be uh, demonic music, jazz. And but but the jazz musicians would not rat each other out they stuck together i mean it, the the loyalty that they showed to one another and when and when one jazz musician was arrested no matter how minor he may have been all the other jazz musicians chipped in money to support him you know by hiring lawyers getting him out of jail him or her out of jail or whatever so they were unable they were he, uh, Anslinger was unsuccessful there so he turned his attention to billy holiday because it was known by quite a few people that Billie Holiday, uh, you know, was battling, you know, throughout her life with an addiction to heroin. And uh, this Negro facilitated uh, the arrest of her in really an attempt to just uh, destroy her career. You know, she couldn't even get a license to sing in cabaret clubs, for example, in New York. So I just thought it was very interesting that, that, uh, you know, first we get William O'Neill, then... Uh, Jimmy Fletcher, and now apparently uh, you know one of the one of the guys, uh, perhaps one of the five FBI agents, not, not sure which one of them that they're going to model. We know that in nineteen nineteen uh, Hoover uh, who was then in charge of the Bureau of Investigations. this is before it became the FBI uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigations. It was just the Bureau of Investigations. Uh, he hired five Negroes. Uh, to infiltrate black organizations. Not only Garvey's Universal Negro Improvement Association, but uh, Cyril Briggs, African uh, Blood uh, Blood Brotherhood, uh, and other organizations. As a matter of fact, we even know that uh, the government itself was, was spying on all, anybody that was involved in even uh, civil rights activities, such as um, the maternal grandfather of Dr. Martin Luther King. And we know that uh, some of the members of the NAACP were, were, were government agents, you know, spying on, spying on black people. So uh, they seem to be trying to, for whatever reason, plant this notion of race traitors in our frontal lobes. Now, we, we, all, we always assume that uh, the government is watching us, listening to everything that we say, spying on us and whatever. But you know, one of the things, you know, this can have a very debilitating effect and a destructive effect on, uh, on the struggle. You know, one of the things that happened within the Black Panther Party was, you know, people were accused of being agents and uh, it was probably the FBI that was planting a seed that a certain person was an agent. And there were instances where, you know, people wound up actually getting killed because they were suspected of being an agent. And um, so you know this can be this can be very debilitating. It also sows the seeds of distrust. You know who can you trust? I mean, if you're looking over your shoulder, you know you become paralyzed by fear. You know paranoia. You don't know what to do, how to operate, and you know that that could be uh, you know part of what what they are trying to do. You know right now because you know maybe they they think that, you know, some of these activities that are taking place are actually going to lead to a mass movement. And, you know, it could be a, a mass movement that actually focuses on the liberation and empowerment of African people. So they say, well, you know, you better be looking over your shoulder because, you know, we got your own people on our payroll. And this is one, I think, one of the mistakes that Shaka King made at the end of the uh, Judas and the Black, the Black, Black, Black Messiah when he uh, you know, in the uh, small print, he said that that O'Neill had been paid the equivalent of two hundred thousand dollars in today's money. I just thought that was that was a horrible uh, mistake because we see people in our community being robbed for five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. What wouldn't some of these Negroes do? In fact, m- many of them for two hundred thousand dollars. So. You know that's uh I mean that's just some initial thoughts on you know what they're up to. Of course, the other thing that they're always into is, uh, as Dr. Wade Noble said, power is the ability to define reality. So you know how will they define Garvey? What will what will Garvey be shown as? You know in this movie, and you know then 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 we're left to try to try to pick through and point out you know. Certain highlights and whatnot. When, you know, uh, those of us who are operating with some levels of consciousness, obviously, we're going to see things. But it's not us. It's it's what it's what the masses of people see. See, it's what it's what the masses see. It's not it's not those who have consciousness. I mean, you know, we saw this in the seventies with the black exploitation movies. Of course, those of us who were involved in the black liberation movement, we immediately saw Superfly. As an enemy, as a destructive force in our community, but how many other people, you know, saw man? Look at that pimp ride, you know, uh, you know, digging the scene with a gangster lean, gangster white walls, diamond in the back, sunroof top. You know, I'm talking, talking Curtis Mayfield here. Uh, well, not Curtis Mayfield, but uh, what's his name, William Devon. Um, so, I mean, you know, these kinds of things that. Uh, it's how the masses perceive them. It's how the masses. And so then you have to have, you know, operations like, like us, you know, Black Power Media that, you know, Dr. Jerry Ball and others have put out, uh, you know, other blogs, uh, Karen Hunter and others. You, you, you need other, you know, positive people to try to counter it. But how can, you know, how can our media, you know, go up against, you know, the mainstream media, where well, we have to try because, you know, even if we saving five or 10, we're making some contribution. But, you know, that's, you know, that was just some of the thoughts about, you know, what, you know, what they're doing. Uh, you know, uh, I heard years ago, uh, well, a couple of years ago, they were supposed to be making a movie about a man arenas. And I haven't heard any more about it. <laughs> and it might be because they, they can't figure out a way to twist the story, right? right? I mean, this sister was so strong, right? <laughs>
2: yeah and you had you know Will Smith talking about making a movie about uh Tahark at one point, and I don't even think that ever came or hasn't come to fruition yet, but overall, I think that when you have whites involved in writing these scripts, there's a lot of influence, so I think the imprint is there, and it's not like a a film where you get just a pure black perspective like a sankofa or a spook who sat by the door or films like that now hollywood more so is is washing that pure black perspective out and 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 this, and this is the alternative you know it seems like they're allowing these types of people to be the producers and the directors and the writers for these films or well, at least these people are the ones who are getting the funding for it
1: well, yeah. And I mean, and that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, if, if you if you follow the money, I mean, what do you expect the end result to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, you know, the these people, you know, com- communications, uh, yeah, you know, arts and entertainment, all of that is certainly one of the most critical aspects of, of shaping uh, people's consciousness and, you know, how they view the world and we know that the uh, cia for example has has had a heavy influence uh you know in hollywood you know since um at least the world war ii era um so you know i don't you know what i don't know what i don't know what we are expecting to to come out of these movies i mean you 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 may have a movie like the spook that that slips through the cracks and then all of a sudden once they realize they made a mistake. They do everything they can to, to to make sure the movie isn't shown anywhere and mm. try to destroy all the copies of it mm. and everything else. So, you know, they 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 are not, uh, you know, uh, pristine in terms of their capacity to prevent everything. Sometimes in their in their uh, effort to so, sometimes in the effort to show things uh, that they think is going to come across negatively, the people view it. From a different perspective, mm-hmm. and you know to put out the spook at that time in the 1970s when you had that much consciousness in the community, they quickly they, it it took them a minute but they soon realized they had they had made a mistake of course you know Sankofa was you know uh, independently produced mm-hmm. so you know it wasn't uh, you know anything you know along the lines of this. I mean you know people uh, you know the fact of the matter is, you don't have conscious people that um, either have the orientation or or, or the finances uh, uh-huh. to produce these kind of feature films that uh, you know that are going to to be you know shown in um, you know in you know by the by the by the major networks you know even 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 to make money because they 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 have to maintain they have to maintain the American Empire so you know one of the reasons I mean I'm like my uh, viewing of movies in general is you know relatively limited. I mean I I, I simply haven't watched a heck of a lot of movies uh, throughout my my entire life. I've been you know very you know selective in term, in terms of that. so um, you know I don't know what you know what people's expectations would be you know no matter, you know, who's who's doing it? Because in, in in the final analysis, everything has to be designed to to maintain the American empire. So, you know, whether it's Nate Parker or whoever, it doesn't it doesn't it, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, you know, I. I didn't see a whole lot of William Styron in the movie that, that Turner produced I mean in the movie that uh, Parker produced and, and oh know, no that it,
2: no no i didn't i didn't see that i didn't see that either yeah yeah i mean i i mean i I didn't see much um i didn't see any any feminization from what I can remember in the movie it wasn't like Harriet where you know you, you know they had Harriet as a feminist. You know, act, acting like she was against most of the men that were in her life, talking down to other men that, that came into her life, and then scenes where you had women coming on to her. When you have a a director who lives that lifestyle, they try to put their imprint on the on the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, we, we I mean, we have to we have to view everything from the perspective of, in my opinion, African centered, holistic critical thinking and uh you know that 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 that's going to involve uh that's going to involve you know being critical of things that that we don't uh see that we think represents the actual history you know of uh you know of these of these figures and whoever whoever you know they you know they they they're focusing on uh it, it, but it 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 is interesting at at this point in history that they are you know uh choosing to to uh to do this i mean i you know uh and then the you know you see
2: the other things with the you're know, with the the nba and the hbcus with the all-star game it seems to me as though they're trying to pacify black people into being okay with being assimilated with white people so that they can move on and continue to make their millions and billions of dollars. They um, like almost like they're trying to finance your uh, respect and finance and apology without really giving you reparations, but just giving you crumbs Um, in certain cases. And, and it also could be that, you know, this is just a trend. You know, you have a trend of, The George Floyd situation, even though that's always been happening, and I'm not saying that him being murdered was a trend, but what I'm saying is that how things have been popularized since that happening, or since a lot of these cases happening throughout corporations, you know, when you get the Amazons posting on their page, support black businesses, this is stuff you didn't see prior to George Floyd being killed. There was a mass movement by corporations who bought into the hashtag black lives matter and donating millions and millions of dollars to different Negro organizations. So this could this this movie production could be an extension of that while we're seeing all of these movies. Now People they're thinking that maybe people will have an interest. And once again, it's being funded by Amazon, the same company who has, has, uh, has done what I just talked about. So, but in speaking of, of, of being critical, it's been a while since we have had a program and a lot has happened since then. And one of the things that we observed that we wanted to discuss and give our thoughts on publicly was the situation with President Obama and the comments that he made regarding reparations. Many Many people are aware of what he said about why he couldn't give black people reparations when he was in office. And we did an assessment on these comments and one of the things that he said was that he felt as though there would be too much white resistance if he pushed for black people to receive reparations even though he felt that black people receiving reparations was justified. Now, we've talked about Obama many times on this show and we've often covered different things that he said that he when he said we, when he was in office how he felt and these comments now will lead most people to believe that Obama was actually in support of reparations for black people while he was in office. But if you go back and you look at the history and you look at his old statements and interviews that he did. It's actually the complete opposite. It's a complete contradiction. Of what he previously said in previous years, back in 2016, back in 2009, and also his actions as president contradict the statements or the fact that he would even be in support not saying that he was able to do it, but even be in support of black people receiving reparations. There have been some cases where he just flat out said he doesn't support it at all. And you can go back and look at the interview that he did with Tanya Coates, where Tanya Coates asked him specifically if he supported reparations. And one of the things that he said was, well, how can I support reparations how will you know other poor white people feel or how will poor latino people feel or asian people feel they'll feel as though they need you know a hand up too so obama is 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 now no longer he's he's no longer the president he's going around he's making millions of dollars doing speeches and Uh, His wife is doing book deals and Netflix documentaries. So they're making a lot of money. And he's, he's trying to create this image. Even when he went on The Breakfast Club and Charlemagne interviewed him, he tried to create this image that he's done or he did his job for black people to the best of his ability while he was in office. But yet while he was in office, he was the main person saying that black people needed to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. He was the main person pushing for the boycott of the World Racism uh, Conference, the U.N. Conference on Racism. The same conference that George Bush and Colin Powell walked out of. uh, And I'll let Baba Macaroon tell you why they walked out of that conference. But he has been. 100 percent against black people receiving reparations and he even went out of his way to say that he was the president for all americans as to make people know that he had no special interest in just black people
1: (laughs) well that's that's why i called him the real slim shady i mean when when all these people were, were, were fainting at his um when he was campaigning in 2008 i think he uh, threw his hat in the ring in 2007 and made his announcement. And, you know, then the whole thing with, you know, Reverend Wright, the minister that he had set set up in the church under for years, all of a sudden uh, was uh, too radical for him. I mean, this guy is, I think he's probably, he I I described him once as the, uh, you know, the the most brilliant stroke of disguised hypocrisy that the American uh, political system uh, has ever produced. And if you, any criticism that uh, you level against this man, you will be automatically condemned, you know, as a hater and, you know, crabs in the barrel and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I have to tell people over and over again, you know, our, our standards should be my art. It should be based on ethics and, uh, and actions of people towards liberation and empowerment of African people. And not just based purely on melanin, you know, William O'Neill was full of, of melanin. And so was Mobutu and a whole lot of us, but, um, yeah this uh you know the the whole shift uh at least in terms of uh style and show and rhetoric uh towards some support for reparations uh in in 2000 uh you know as the 2020 Uh, presidential campaign you know began to unfold and all these people you know threw their hats in the ring uh you know Kamala Harris and you know Cory Booker and you know all these others all of a sudden reparations became popular and you knew you knew that you know you, you knew that it was it was just another con game you know being run on uh you know, on the African American uh, body politic. And 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 you're correct when you say uh, you know, you look at the NFL who condemned, you know, Kaepernick, white balled him straight out of the league, you know, <laughs> uh, essentially sanctioned him to keep him from getting a job. And uh you know the NBA, which you know wasn't that harsh, but they they still had a rule where they you know their players couldn't dare, you know, protest the same way Kaepernick did, and all of a sudden, all of these people are you know grasping you know these uh, quote unquote you know black issues and and all of this. I mean, you you, you know that, you know that it's just a, it's just a farce, and it is part of the uh, pacification game. Uh, that is that is a result of the the massive protests that unfolded uh, in 2020. You know, as a result of that, the series of police killings, uh, or vigilante killings, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and uh, George Floyd being the three you know most prominent, you know of those. Um, you know, they 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 said, look, man, we 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 need to do something uh, to keep these people from from taking a turn that they took in the 60s when the demand for civil rights uh, once achieved, you know, the radicalized people who had been beaten in jail like Kwame Ture and Baba Mikasa and Jamil El-Amin and others uh, turned towards black power and then black liberation. And so, uh, they don't want, you know, the social activism that they see today to go in that direction, and you know that's that, you know, that's why, you know, the Black Lives Matter network reported that they earned ninety million dollars uh, in twenty twenty, and that, and that money is not being dispersed to uh, to the local formations, and so you know that's why you see a lot of uh, different chapters now. Uh, withdrawing you know from the network Uh, but they're still holding on still holding on on to the slogan um but 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 you you're correct in terms of you know obama's you know entire history of opposition uh to reparations which is which is a which is a matter of of record and so the question becomes you know why is he saying this in 2021 well first of all his 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 ra- his rationale uh is ludicrous. Uh you know when he says that there was too much white resistance to uh to reparations you know when he was uh, in office from um, uh, 2009 to 2017 January 2009 to January 2017 2017 there was uh he said there was too much White opposition, too much white resistance to uh, to to reparations, and there was not only white resistance; there was Negro resistance in the form of Barack Obama. He opposed <laughs> reparations himself. So I mean, you know, I mean, who who do you think, man, that you uh, yeah? We, we know a lot of our people have been seduced by spiritual wickedness. In high places, the spiritual wickedness in high places that he represents, but he, he said there was white resistance. Yeah, there was Negro resistance in the in the form of Barack Obama and and all the people in his administration, including his vice president Joe Biden, who now says he's in favor of H.R. forty. You know, they they suddenly popularized it. All the years that you know, from John Conyers, you know, from 1989, the whole time, he went, you know, uh, would introduce this bill, and only, only a handful of people, even, even the the uh, black people in the congressional black caucus, not, not even all of them would sign on to, uh, to co-sponsor this this uh, legislation, which is only designed to fund a commission to study reparation. James Kingfish Clyburn went for, from the time he was elected, I think he started serving in 1991, not not until last year that Clyburn, once Nancy Pelosi and the others said, okay, you know, this is something we need to support. Why do they suddenly need to support it? Well, you know, we know the black vote is going to be critical to removing Donald Trump from office, and we got at least make it appear that black people are out voting in mass for Joe Biden, whether they were actually out there doing that or not. A lot of people think that the hoax really began in South Carolina. I know uh, my friend Brother John Jeter was one of the first ones that said, "You know, this doesn't make any sense. This, this guy, Joe Biden, up until the South Carolina primary." Was, in, was a was a corpse. He was politically dead. And Jane and James Kingfish Clyburn, suddenly uh just like uh, raising uh, the story of the biblical story, the narrative, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, Jane James Clyburn blew into <laughs> Joe Biden's nostrils and and raised him from the dead, and all of these black people in South Carolina supposedly uh, went out and voted for Biden. And we don't know if it was a if it was actual votes or if it was a fix. But at that moment, they they wanted they wanted to stop Bernie Sanders because Jamie Diamond and uh, Lord Bankfine and, you know, all of these Wall Street oligarchs have said, if you all nominate Bernie Sanders, you know, you won't get a dime of money from us, not a dime. And so so Cliven was uh, was one of these politicians who never supported. Uh, even HR40 a commission to study uh Obama as a senator Joe Biden of course Joe Biden was a a neo confederate uh you know uh, one of the primary architects of the new Jim Crow of of course he wasn't was supporting it, but now all of them are suddenly supporting it. and so what does it mean you know what are they actually saying first of all they know that uh that is not that they, they they would never get 60 votes in the senate as the Senate is presently constructed uh, to, to pass it. Probably not even 50 uh, Democrat senators uh, you know, would support it. The only thing that makes these people yield is when they under massive pressure, not just uh, within the United States. And this is one of the mistakes that the quote unquote ADOS movement makes when they try to isolate you know, uh, Africans in America and, you know, I think we have to understand that when people talk about ADOS, you know, it's not a monolithic structure. You have a whole lot of different uh, moving parts, you know, within that, but the civil rights movement could not have succeeded if if, if if, it didn't, it was not having an international impact, you know, not only from the Soviet Union, but also on, on the African continent, you know, because, you know, they, uh, they they were desperate to maintain as much control over africa as those countries gained independence and by by installing a eurocentric uh neo-colonial puppets in uh, in many of these countries and then killing people like lebam or like uh, patrice Lumumba and overthrowing people like you know uh, uh kwame nkrumah and modibo keita and others so uh you know when, 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 they are under the enormous stress that they were under in the mid '60s, they will pass legislation. They will, they, they will. Democrats and Republicans will both vote to say, "Okay, we got to give them something. Let's, let's give them. Let's throw them this bone. Let's give them these voting rights and you know, civil rights. You know, they can you know sit down next to us on the toilet and whatever." and live next door to us in, 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 in neighborhoods. And so just give them something to get them settled down. And so, you know, by, by saying this, something that they really never expect to happen or that they never expect to deliver on, you know, just gives them, you know, they, they are really building towards 2022 once again, because historically the black vote drops off in the midterm elections. They are really, uh, I think, driving, you know, towards that. And like you said, uh, you know, Obama, when they had the uh, I think it was the Durban two conference, the Durban one was was uh, doing the Bush administration when Colin Powell walked out because they had clauses condemning, uh, you know, Israel as an apartheid state and as uh, uh, as they, they, they equated Zionism with racism. Uh, but also because the language in the Durban one conference said that slavery and the slave trade were crimes against humanity. OK, and that was language they absolutely could not understand. And, you know, Obama did a repeat of what Bush and those uh, did, uh, you know, at the second conference. So it's, it's all a big hoax. Uh, I, I really think, you know, that now that I've had some time to think about it, they, they 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 they're trying to uh, you know toss out some some crumbs and uh you know some um uh sticky paper or something to keep the black vote you know in line to make sure they turn out because you know they they they, they know they're going to be under stress to 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 maintain the advantages that they have uh in the house uh and the the, the tie that they have in the Senate right now so I think that's just all part of the game.
2: Another fact that could be that they're looking at, in the World Economic Forum, they keep talking about the topic, the Great Reset, or the Great Economic Reset. And I think that they know the value of the dollar is... is it's only a matter of time before the dollar falls. You can't continue to print the amount of money that they're printing. And inflation not take place. So they believe that this is the perfect time for them to give reparations or give money away because eventually that money that they give will be worthless. Hmm. So if they gave each person $250,000, that 250000 may only be worth 70000 by the time that the dollar tanks or they go through what they're calling a great economic reset where they say you have to, we have to learn how to feel comfortable owning nothing. Mm. They've even gone so far as to say that we need a a, a global shutdown every two years to deal with the emissions issues, uh, to meet, uh, emission standards based on, Their goals for global warming. But, you know, a lot of people believe that the amount of money that was made during this pandemic by the bigger corporations like your Amazons and your Walmarts, because of how they shut down other people's businesses, they made records amounts of money during this time. And one of the things that I can tell you about Europeans is they look to improve their balance sheet every year. Mm -hmm. So next year, when they don't make this much money, they'll look at it as a loss. Hmm. And whenever there is a loss, then your shareholders uh, feel that changes need to be made, whether it's the executives that need to be replaced or or changes throughout the company because they feel somewhere down the line they need to make up that loss somewhere. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So it could be a, a number of contributing factors to why they're, more motivated now than ever than to give out reparations, especially if they can do it and not lose as much as they would, if the dollar was strong and we were in a normal economy.
1: Hmm.
2: I mean, just look at the I mean the stimulus package that's coming out right now, one point nine tr- trillion dollars. You have, you know, individuals who make less than one hundred and sixty thousand jointly, and I believe eighty thousand single, will receive fourteen hundred dollars. And then for each child that you have under the age of six, you receive thirty six hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, people better spend this money wisely because I don't think there's any more coming. <clears throat> I don't think there's any. I, there, this is this is definitely the last, you know, stimulus package. I don't. There's, you know, they just barely got um, Joe Manchin from West Virginia on board with this one and the only way they got that was to uh you know well obviously they were going to take the 15 dollar uh minimum wage and i mean that's like getting a 15 dollar 15 dollars an hour uh by 2025 uh, they they had to strip that out and then they had to start cutting the unemployment benefits uh, i think they were they were and they, they, they took a hundred dollars off of that. And just to get him. And I think there was a Senator from Arizona, some woman, I don't know her name that, that I don't, I don't see any more stimulus packages coming in, you know, anytime soon. And like you're saying, all they're doing is printing money anyway. And, you know, the question becomes, you know, as long as the fed keeps the interest rates where they are, um, you know, they, they can, can, control inflation but how long you know can they do that let's see as long as china and uh saudi arabia and japan and all these countries are buying treasury bills to help them offset the uh the 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 budget deficit which i I think i think it grew something when in the neighborhoods of nine trillion dollars under trump you know McConnell and, and Lindsey Graham and all those they they never said a word while the uh, while Trump was growing the deficit, <laughs> you know. But now you know it's, it's going to become an issue, of course under under Biden and and Biden has been a guy that's been in favor of austerity programs. You know his entire uh, political career, but at the same time they're in a bind in terms of. What's going to happen in 2022? But one other thing I want to say about this reparations thing is, they have they have a lot of ways that they can do things, and define them as reparations. See mm-hmm. how is reparations being defined? That's okay, a good point. and you know they had there was a there was a uh, an African reparations conference, I think might've been in 2000, it was in the 2000s, 2006. I can't remember exactly, it was in Nigeria. And uh, uh, was it Chinwezu? one of the scholars over there said, the most important reparations for African people would be self-made repairs. Those things that we do to repair ourselves you know from the damage that's being that that has been done to us what you know what kind of agency can we show to do this you know rather than rather than depending on on europeans and uh uh i i saw the debate between um i, I don't know if you saw it brother almost i sent it out the aid the ados debate versus jared ball and uh the guys from renegade culture and others and uh you know the, the definition of what reparations is, is all over the place, even, you know, among African people. But let me let me just read this. And uh, Evan- Evanston, Illinois. OK, so I title it. El- Evanston, Illinois is correcting some racial disparities. Eligible black residents of Evanston, Illinois will receive twenty five thousand dollars starting this spring from a ten million dollar fund that we be that will be distributed over the next 10 years. Okay, so that's like a million dollars a year, uh, you know, for 10 years. The program is funded by 3% tax on newly on a newly legal recreational on newly legal recreational marijuana sales per ABC News. So they legalize marijuana and they're gonna take a percentage of the month, of the tax money from the sales uh you know, this might be an incentive for some other people to legalize marijuana. I don't know why they haven't anyway. The payments will be used for housing and will address disparities that are rooted in historic and anti-black policies that were specifically enforced by the city of Evanston. Alderman Robin Robin Rue Simmons, who represents the city's fifth district, this is the sister that uh, initiated this uh, push. Simmons believes that it was important for Evanston to take actions that were truly uh, reparative in application and beyond apology. Around $400,000 will be targeted for this housing initiative, but the city will eventually launch a public disclosure process to see what else the money could be used for, Simmons said. So now the title of the article that I just quoted from on the Black News Channel is, Evanston City approves reparations for eligible black residents. Now, this is just correcting historical disparities. Is this reparations? I mean, is, you know, is people is providing people some type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, housing uh, vouchers? I mean, you know, $25,000, uh, you know, you know, I I don't know if the money specifically targeted saying that you have to, you know, uh, invest in a house. I I don't, I don't know how much housing is in Evanston, Illinois. I imagine it's pretty expensive. I know what it is in Charlotte. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, real estate, the the, the price of houses is just going absolutely off, off the chain. I mean, just through the, through the roof, through the skies, Michael Jordan might say, or whatever. And so, um, you know, so, so they so they are calling this uh you know because because we know we have these tremendous disparities in home ownership and the and the few inroads that uh that African people in the US were making in terms of of home ownership in the US was virtually wiped out by the 2008-2009 recession uh because a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of uh, our people were trapped in into these uh Uh, subprime loans and uh, these loans that escalated in in terms of the interest, Uh, you know, the payments, you know, might start at $600 and then all of a sudden they're a thousand dollars and now you, you know, you can't pay them or whatever. Uh, And so, you know, you had, you had over $200 billion of black wealth wiped out in the uh, 2008, uh, 2009 recession, Uh, you know, uh, the home I was living in was foreclosed on when I uh you know became unemployed uh, myself and I was thought it was more important to keep my daughter in school uh, than you know than anything else so um but this this is an example I think of you know how they can say okay uh you know we're giving you this voucher to buy a house and we're gonna call it reparations and so you know uh, some uh what's his name, Uh, Cedric Richmond, who is, uh, I guess, the uh, Joe Biden's top-ranking black advisor. He says Biden was talking about giving free tuition to HBCUs. Now, he he can't do that without legislation. I, I mean, you know, well, he could, but given the millions of dollars that that would be i mean he he could move money that's allocated for some things around to do that uh but
2: that'd be a bad idea because then you just have hbcus flooded with white people
1: (laughs) yeah that that's that you know that probably would be the case but but the point i was making here was that that uh is that you know this is an example of you know some of the kinds of things that can happen that uh, that they could classify as as reparations. So, how do we define reparations? What does that mean? Uh, you know, obviously, we know that there can there, there can be no payment for the amount of destruction that African people have suffered at the hands of Europeans over the past five hundred plus years, including the past four hundred plus years here in the uh, what you know what's called the United States. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, Brother Almost, but I know you had raised the issue, and you know, I, I don't know how your petition, uh, you know, has done, but there was a, uh, black police officer, uh, in, uh, in Tampa, Florida, who was fired for using the N word. Did you see that one? No, I did. Okay. Um, he 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 used it once during a personal conversation. And I, I don't know why he didn't turn his body camera off when he was having, he, he, he was arranging a date with a, a woman and doing, doing the, the casual conversation with the woman, you know, he used the N word. He said something, you know, he's, he's a school resource officer. And uh, he, uh, he started the conversation by saying, well, nobody got stabbed or shot in my school today. So it was a good day uh yeah that, that you know if that's the standard my goodness um but so so during the conversation he you know he he used the n-word and it was because what they do is i guess they audit these uh, these body cameras periodically uh in this city and so when during the audit of his body camera they found that was a personal conversation but they also had him on tape. He was arresting a young black person. And he said, you going to jail now, quote unquote, N-word. So he was fired. Now, so, I, you know, so I put this out on social media just to see how people would respond to it. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, yeah, he should have been he should have been fired because a lot of these black cops are just as brutal or brutalize us as much Uh you know, as white people, uh, on the other hand, people were saying, "Well, you know, look at, uh, uh, you know, the cop that choked, uh, uh, put a chokehold on Eric Garner. You know, he was just that was in 2014, He was just removed from his job in twenty twenty. Okay, and so you know, you 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 got that you got that standard, but uh, I I was just wondering, you know, what, you know. Hearing about this, I mean, what do you, what do you think about about something like that, brother? Almost. Yeah,
2: I think that that um, you know my position on the N word. I feel yes. like it's 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 a destructive tool that unfortunately many of our people have adopted as something that they feel is positive, but when I look throughout our history. When black people were at uh, when we were at our highest state, as far as ruling the world, the N word didn't exist. When I look at the N word, I look at it as a word that's been used during a period of time where black people have been at a lower state. Mm. And you know, there's people out there who will say, you know, that this word comes from Ethiopia or the geese language, but that's not true. So we've already covered that on this show in the past. Mm -hmm. That's just not true information. I mean, the etymology of the word does not go back there. Right. Um, But if you look at the time span that this word has been used, it's been during a time we've been in our lowest position in human history. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel as though there should be more standards put out there against people using the word and in his position, him using the word, which was used in in a derogatory way against another black person.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I felt that, you know, they had the right to let him go. Right. Um, and I feel this word should also be banned on social media.
1: Exactly, I feel like nobody should
2: be able to, you know, use these slurs against black people. But you know, if you say one word about the Jewish community, you label anti-Semitic. You can, you can never use a slur against Mm -hmm. them. You'll be banned off of the platforms. (laughs) But yet, most of the record labels that they own, and most of the platforms that they own, they freely allow black people to denigrate themselves. Exactly. So most of it is on us in our education and understanding that, but also at the same time, if you're gonna ban Mm N-I-G-G-E-R, then you must also ban N-I-G-G-A.
1: Exactly, same word. Same word, the same word. And uh, you know, the Jew the, the Jews made the most popular and probably powerful entertainer in the world change the lyrics in his song, Michael Jackson. They made they made Michael Jackson change, you know, the lyrics. But, you know, you can you can use the N-word, you know, uh a million times. Uh <laughs> you know, in a, in a record. I, uh, we're coming to an end. I I, I did want to say that there's been a lot of concern in our community over the past week uh, since it was announced that uh, our brother, Mamiya Abu-Jamal, uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Now he's already dealing with a lot of comorbidities. And I, I put up a blog post uh back in what was it 2018 i think it was uh called torture as a prelude to execution by medical neglect and uh, i said our revolutionaries are being slowly executed by medical neglect and or biological warfare while incarcerated by the national security, security establishment in the united states and this was referring to uh brothers jamil el Amin and mumia at the time uh, I think Mamia was suffering from hepatitis, and uh, now uh, he has uh, contracted uh, uh, the coronavirus. And I don't know if it's advanced to the state of COVID-19. Uh, a lot of people don't, you know, distinguish between the two. There is a difference. I mean, if it, you know, if it, if if, if it induces pneumonia, then you know, you, you your situation becomes a lot uh becomes desperate and of course it can do a lot of other things you know cytokine storms and a lot of other things it affects the heart the liver i mean it's it's a very devastating virus and uh sister uh, uh professor dr joan joanna uh hernandez fernandez put out a uh uh post i think that came from his lawyer to say he's also dealing with congestive heart failure now you know what I said is that you know we we don't expect barbarians to uh have any compassion for the they they want these brothers, they want these brothers to die in jail. They really want Mamil Bujamal, Jamil Elamine, amin Akoli uh Matula Shakur. They want all these brothers uh, to die in jail. And mm-hmm. uh, same would same would be the case if Asada Shakur, you know, had not escaped, uh, would be the situation with her. But what they want, we understand, and we we know that they are barbarians, they're psychopaths, they don't have any compassion. But at the same time, we know that uh we we are we are driven by truth, justice, and righteousness to demand his release. You know, we would be let we would be less than. Than African men and women, if if we didn't demand the release, even though we know, you know who who we're dealing with here, and so we we posted some phone numbers on our Facebook page that people can call uh, the uh, Philadelphia DA, the prison itself, the governor. Uh, the governor could give a compassionate release, um, but uh, you know we. It's not that we expect them to do it, but at the same time, we know that, um, that, that that we can move mountains if we choose to. If we really get serious, we can't we can't. You know, these people are human beings. They, they, they they're not impervious to pressure. OK, mm-hmm. you can you know, so. So we put it out there, uh, you know, we we are concerned, uh, you know, about the health of of the, of this brother who. uh COINTELPRO Pro started keeping a file on Mamiya when he was 15 years old. 15 years old. That's wow. how long his brother's been an activist. So, uh, I appreciate it if everybody would go on our page and and look those numbers up and call. Uh, most likely, you'll just go it'll just go straight to voicemail, or or to say they're unable to you're unable to get through or whatever, uh, because they have they have been flooded with calls. But, uh, you know, and we need to keep this, keep our brothers, all our political prisoners, because all of them, you know, have, you know, they had had advanced ages, right? So, uh, we need to keep them in our prayers and keep struggling uh, to liberate them. So, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to end with, brother, almost.
2: I appreciate you sharing that information, brother, and... This has been the Africa Liberation Media Podcast. You can always visit our website africaliberationmedia.com where you can find all of our episodes and updates. And then you can also check us out on social media. Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast Share with your friends and your family. And until next time, I'm B.B. Fajodier. Power or the
3: lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history, then, must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem, and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately, those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.